How's it going, everybody? This is Duke Coughlin, and welcome back to the Barely There podcast. We are back to cover everything surrounding your Chicago Bears. As always, I'm joined by the Swami of Swami, the Ayatollah of Capicola, Lucas Perfetti. Lucas, explain to the folks at home how you're doing on this fine evening. Uh, well, I'm doing fantastic, Duke. You know, just here to talk about more of one of the better organizations in football. Yeah, obviously, just a, a landmark organization of the Chicago Bears. Uh, George McCaskey is angry, and uh, we should all just be very excited that things will finally change with uh, with the Chicago Bears. But anyway, uh, we have quite a bit to cover in this episode. Obviously, uh, we're running rolling a little late in the week, so uh, we got to cover some Packers, got to cover some Buccaneers. But f- before we jump into it, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and anywhere else you get your podcast. Be sure to check out the chat. Join the chat. Our boy Lap's already in here complimenting the hats like he usually is. Um, also, be sure to follow us on Barely There Pod on Twitter. Stay up to date on everything related to the show. So, obviously, um, a lot of the steam has kind of come off. Um, it's definitely simmered. The Bears lost to the Packers at home in uh, a game that, you know, as we talked about last week, Lucas was kind of supposed to be the uh, the coming out party, per se, of this new era of the Chicago Bears. Um, felt like a lot of the same old shit. That's, uh, that's about what we got on Sunday. Um, it was, it was one of those things where I ended up just getting painfully drunk. Once this game got out of hand, it really sucked to watch and watching it back while it was a little bit better on the second viewing, still not great. A lot of things clean up. What are, uh, you know, now that you've let it simmer for a couple days, Lucas, what are your impressions on this game? Yeah. Um, unfortunately I, I, um, the second time I watched it, it was just as bad as the first. So it, it was bad all around, right? It was an embarrassing way to start what was supposed to be the kickoff of your rebuild. And, and I'm not saying that the Bears roster is finished or anything like that, but it's just really disappointing for them to to trot it out like that. And and honestly, I don't know if I said it in the podcast, but I know I, I said it pre, pre-pod it was almost like we were lined up to get disappointed. Like the hype was so absurd behind the bears after them only winning three games. It's kind of like, let's pump the brakes here. Everyone's saying Jordan loves terrible, which I don't think he played incredible. Right. Um, I think he played decent, but he was also just be able to stand back there. We'll get into the game itself, but just really a piss poor effort that when you're a Chicago fan, there's a reason why we like the Kirk Heinrichs, the, you know, just kind of the overachievers, the Luol things, the guys that maybe aren't the most talented, but put it all out there on the field um, or put it all out there on the court, the effort and Greg Olson, really that that's what hit me the most on the TV copy was Greg Olson saying like, look at this team pretty much. Right. Um, That that's what got me. It was like, damn dude, you, you spent all this money. You had this number one pick. You traded down, got DJ Moore, and and that's the product you put on the field against the division rival, right? And George McCaskey, I know you joked about it, but he should be pissed. He should be considering changing the way he does things. So it was after the fact, obviously. It was, uh, t- I believe, two days ago. Uh, Jaquan Brisker was kind of asked about the uh, the tempo and the lack of energy kind of that you just brought up there. And uh, he said he actually texted, texted Justin Fields and said, you know, I had to get it out there. As leaders, we have to do better bringing this team up. You know, says he felt like they had more energy during practice, but it kind of wavered off during the game. Um, so I think there's a couple ways to kind of take that because I agree with you, Lucas. You know, obviously, I, I think I think 
this team, the fan base, and the media were hyped to the absolute moon. Um, I think everybody was kind of like pushing this team somewhere where they really weren't yet. Um, I feel like me and you have had a pretty realistic approach about this team. And that's not even in a negative light, you know, to anybody who's probably going to think that's automatically a negative type of comment. It's just like where we are with the, the total teardown we just did last year. Like we have to expect there's going to be some bumps in the road. And what makes me worry is last year, you know, we were still a lot of the fans and a lot of the media were still really hyping up a lot of players on this team from last year, kind of with the understanding that it was, uh, you know, and I hate to use the word tank, but you know, let's be like, you know, let's call a spade a spade. It was a, it was a situation where we, uh, we weren't necessarily trying to win a lot of football games last year. And um, I think it's something that you brought up last year and it, it's a pretty good point is, you know, learning to lose is not a good trait to have. You know what I mean? You kind of get complacent. You know, you, you start thinking when you're on a losing team that, you know, if you have a good day of practice, that's enough that, uh, you know, if you have a good individual performance on the field, that that's enough. And uh, that's really what I kind of got on the second takeaway watching this was there wasn't a lot of cohesion out there. Um, It felt like we were really up to start the game. Everyone was kind of firing all cylinders to start like that first drive. And then we went for it on fourth down questionable play call to say the least from Luke Getze. Um, And it sucked all the air out of the stadium. It sucked all the air out of the team. And like, that was kind of the turning point. And the turning point was within the first drive. That's not good. You know, I, I don't know if you felt that Lucas, but I felt that even watching it live when we, when we gave up the ball at the 40 yard line, it's like, we just kind of handed them a free one here and we haven't even totally come together as a unit yet. Like we didn't, we didn't like, set the world on fire on offense during the uh, preseason. We didn't do it on defense either. You know, we had a lot of, um, of late mental lapses in some of those preseason games. And I don't want to break, I don't want to look too far into that, but these are, we have a lot of new pieces here and it was very obvious that they were not all on the same page. You know, you can put as much talent on paper uh, on a team as you want, but you know, there have been numerous examples over the course of, NFL history where that's not enough you know if they're not coming together as a team and playing together and they're all not all on the same page you're going to get a result like you got on Sunday it's it's that simple you know it's it's very new into this in into a lot of these guys playing together but uh that's not a valid excuse for a lot of them either yeah I I think you brought up some good points and and honestly it was just that's the thing there was nothing you could hang your hat on right there was a couple players that maybe stood out a little bit that you felt good about going forward, but it was the same thing last year. And that's, what's disappointing about it. It's just, you know, you could talk about coaching, you could talk about individual performances, but it was all around bad. And that's, I think it was just the overall effort, right? If they lose that game 21 to 20 in a battle that comes down to the end where something happens, like someone slips and lose like, yeah, it would be heartbreaking, but I'd rather be heartbroken than just disgusted. And I do think that that point where we went for it, not only, where we went for it, but how we went for it. Cause I did like starting out the idea of like, you know what? Fuck it, dude. We're our backs are against our own territory, but we're at the 40. It's not like a dangerous position. It's saying we have faith in our defense, being able to get a stop, but also like, let's fucking go for it. Let's go take the bull by the horns and take this rivalry. So I don't, I don't hate the decision, but I hate the process, right? Like the back to back decisions of, I mean, we just saw fucking Matt Nagy on Thursday night football right before that line a tight end up under center and run a pitch. Like, why would we run a sneak 
followed by another sneak and one of them being with our tight end. You know, I, I'd like them to be a little bit more aggressive there on third down and run some kind of play action or, uh, you know, a quick option or, or anything like that where you have to make them make a decision, right? Like that's that's just my thought, but I, I don't know, man. That, that, that There's just so many things that went wrong and that's, that's what the, that's what the really bothers me about it. Right. And I'm glad I had five days cause I was fucking pissed for a, a while there. Yeah. You know, I was too. I, I woke up the next day, just not totally knowing who I hated more, uh, whether it was the bears or the Packers just cause of, uh, cause of, you know, examples like that. And what kills me about going for it on fourth, you know, I'm with you, Lucas, like I'm, I'm all for aggressive football, you know, and I think uh, that is a big, that is a big thing for your defense. You know what I mean? Like it's a confidence booster. Like they trust us, like even if they don't get it here, but like the sign of a good play caller and somebody who kind of understands their offense and their playmakers and things that make this team tick they're not going to go to that type of play in that situation. That's if they did that on the goal line, I can live with that a little bit more, but on, on your own 40 yard line, pick out your best play from practice. You know, I, I would almost hope that if you were willing to go for it on fourth, fourth and short on that first drive, that you had a scripted play, a play that was just hitting in practice, hitting all throughout the preseason, hitting all throughout training camp. Like you need to go to your best stuff right there. And that just wasn't it, man. That was just getting way too cute. And I hate using that term because it feels like we're just beating a dead horse when it comes to the Bears offense. <sighs> Last 10 years, just letting like getting too damn cute, like really anything past 2018 with Matt Nagy as well. Like just trying to reinvent the wheel, like go go with your best play there. You know, e even line up all your guys, you know, even if they see a run coming and they want to load the box, like put somebody back there and run straight and trust that your line of scrimmage is going to win that battle. But like you try to sneak a Cole Komet in there to try to jump over a pile, like they're gonna they're gonna sense that the second Cole starts crossing the fucking formation and starts to slow down near under center, like it just didn't make a lot of sense, man. And it goes into like it goes into a lot of my problems with Luke Getze. Um, you know, Alat made a point that you know Luke Getze's a Packers plant. His worst games have been against Packers, and you know that's funny. But like he he needs to find aggressiveness in the right places. You know what I mean? Like we are not attacking the ball downfield. We're not having routes that are going downfield. And when we do have routes that are going downfield, it, it's, it's a constant, you know, check down, you know, it's a constant, you know, Justin sees an open receiver crossing, uh, crossing over the field and takes the five yards instead of like a 15 yards of DJ more to the left side where he completely missed that. And Greg Olson called that out as well. I can live with stuff like that when we're attacking the ball downfield more often, like, I'm not sitting here trying to go like full like Madden offense, but like where the hell is a four verts? Where where is something that's just all of your options are down the field or Justin runs? You know what I mean? And we just haven't seen that. You know, I I from watching the all twenty two, I I don't I can I can complain about Justin not throwing the ball downfield, but I can also acknowledge that the offense isn't being designed to be thrown downfield. And at the end of the day, Justin's biggest thing coming out of college was that was that deep ball. And I just don't understand why Matt Nagy in the one year that he had Justin Fields understood that a little bit more towards the end. Whereas Luke Getzey's going into year two and we still have not seen that type of that type of offense. Well, and I would just like a little bit of consistency, right? Because if you're telling me that the strength of their defense, I mean, their defense is pretty good, right? But 
if you're telling me the strength of their defense is their defensive line and our offensive line has been out of training camp, it hasn't been consistent, something that we brought up before, right? Like they haven't really played together. Don't like the Lucas Patrick starting decision. Don't like that we switch Cody Whitehair to fucking guard while Lucas Patrick plays center and just gets the brakes beaten off of him, right? Where where Carter had a really good preseason and is warmed up. Um, but it's just like have some consistency. If if the if the defensive line is too good for you to pass block and be able to take deep shots, then the defensive line is also too good for you to try to sneak it twice, right? Like it, it's just. And I get the idea behind it for sure, but I, it, it bothers me. Like it's, I, yeah, you want to like come in and say, you know what, we're going to come and stomp your teeth out. Like we'll, we'll jam it down your throat and fucking, we're going to control the line of scrimmage, but come on, be aware of your fucking personnel. Like be aware of their personnel, right? Like you can't be hard headed. You have to be cunning in that situation. Like you're at a disadvantage there. Um, And then like to, to even consider, you trade down from one to nine, bro, to get DJ Moore, and you give him two targets. You ran 37 fucking screen passes, and he gets none of them. Like, give me a break, dude. Yeah, no, I just, I don't understand that. Plus, you know, outside of using him as that type of gadget type of player like we saw in the preseason, he is a deep threat. He's got the speed. He can run routes. Like, he's not a small guy. You're not big, but he's not like a small guy on the grand scheme of things. Like, we, we need to be able to use him in attack downfield. You know, Carolina did that. And Carolina did that with much lesser quarterbacks, in my opinion, than Justin Fields. Like, I just don't understand why we haven't gotten to a point where we're comfortable with that yet, especially with how much Justin has worked with him in the offseason. Even, even Darnell Mooney. You know, we, we did go deep with Mo- Mooney a couple times, but it, it still wasn't nearly enough. And then even if you want to make the argument that, okay, well, we're going to try to establish ourselves in the line of scrimmage, we didn't do that at all. We ran 19 runs with our running backs. No running back got over 10 carries. That's that's nuts, especially for a game that even if it starts getting out of hand, you can't completely bail on your game plan. And, you know, I've been somebody who said in the past that we need more balance on offense, and I was not really too big of a fan with how much we ran the ball, especially with Justin Fields last year. But, like, if if – we're having issues with pass rushers. You know, we had four sacks on, we had four sacks on Sunday. We need to try to win the line of scrimmage, you know, with the interior, you know, and we just, we, it's, it's one thing to get beat there. It's one thing to get stalemated the entire game there, but it it felt like we didn't even really try to establish a run at any point in this game. And we were just trying to immediately get to the passing game. And uh, if you don't have an explosive passing game, that's attacking down the field, like, and you're not running the football. What do you, what are you really doing here? It's it's limiting what you're able to do on offense. And when a defense sees you're not going to take deep shots, man, they're going to play within 10, 15 yards of you. And you're in, you're at an immediate disadvantage on on offense in that situation, in both the running and passing game. I just I just don't understand the mindset of Getzy with this game plan. I, I'm going to be 100 percent honest. It, it seemed like something that started out pretty decent and then started crumbling, and. I do think a big part of that is because of not, not like the largest part, right? Cause <clears throat> individually there were guys that were much worse than this person, but Khalil Herbert, man, like he's too much of a tell when he's in the game. I'm, I'm sorry. It's, it's, we thought we were going to easily walk in Khalil Herbert for Dave Montgomery. Um, and that's just not the case. Now I do think we found something with Roshan Johnson, like the offense had a pop when he came in, but I mean, you can't like Khalil Herbert is very much a spell back. You can't give him 20 carries. Like 
he's going one, one, zero, two, zero, one, one, right? And then like he'll pop off a 20. So you really need that consistent, just like three, four yards for play action to work. Well, you need to be able to just establish establish a run in the first place. And, you know, like Roshan Johnson definitely came in and, you know, had a little bit of uh, spark in his step. And obviously he's a guy who doesn't have a lot of mileage on him and was very highly touted coming out of the draft, especially, you know, because he was he was the spell to a B. John Robinson. But we we still need to try to establish that like it, you can say you could definitely make that argument against Cleo Herbert. And I know you were going to make it anyway because uh, you're just Cleo Herbert's biggest fan. But like getting him involved in the passing game, yet not getting him involved in the running game just seems like the wrong way to use him in the first place. And I, I don't know. It just it felt like on the first few drives, we were not trying to establish the run. We were not trying to win the line of scrimmage. And, you know, when you have a good running game, not only does it set up play action, but it sets up just throws down the field. And we just never were we were just never able to set that up at no point where the Packers playing deep on us because they knew at a certain point in the second quarter that we weren't going to throw the ball deep. You know, that's why the touchdowns we did get, they were they were set up on deep shots from the one Nicole Komet and the one to Darnell Mooney like. It, yeah, it's it's offense 101, man. You have to establish line of scrimmage. You have to make them respect the run and you have to make them respect the deep ball because it keeps them off off center. It, it makes it so they can't just stack the box. It makes it so they can't just sit back, you know, like they kind of have to they, they, they have to expect it on just the look that they get at the line of scrimmage. And when they already know what they're going to what we're going to do historically at a high percentage before we even line up, that's bad. And, and that's that's where, like I said, I think I think everyone on offense deserves a big chunk of this blame, you know, including QB one. But it, it just Luke Etsy was flat out outcoached by a defensive coordinator who is on his absolute last like last straw with this with the Green Bay Packers organization. And it, it's it's just wild to me, man. And this is the way he's coached the Packers every time he's played them. It's like he's coach. He's like he's coaching scared. At a certain point, even if you don't trust your quarterback to throw deep, you got to take a chance. You got to see if he can eventually be that guy. And uh, I don't understand why we're just not trying to push the ball downfield more with Justin, even if you think he can't be that guy. It, it's the same with Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky. You know, Matt used to just call so many routes where we wanted Mitch to not throw past 10, 15 yards. And it's like at a certain point, you got to let the guy fucking sling the rock. I mean, I think they want him to sling the rock, to be honest. I think our line is not – it was just not happening. Like, we're not able to do the – I mean, let's be real here. Like, QB school came out with it. There's a big elephant in the room. There's a lot of people that are already talking about Caleb Williams next year. Um, Justin got ripped to shreds, and he was not pulling the trigger, and that's been a, a serious common issue. So if you can't do those, like, two uh, 10, 12-yard throws where – you're anticipating the guy getting open. You're not going to be able to move the ball downfield that much, especially when the the line is not able to hold up. And anytime you try to run a rollout or you try to run a fucking boot action, anything like that, you have guys that are fucking coming straight down on fields. Like Jair Alexander had a clean shot on him. He got out of it. Rashawn Gary, like he had no, like there was no time to set up anything deep. So I don't like the screen passes. I don't like whatever, but at, at some point, like you got to just like throw the kid in the fire and see if he can do it. That's my thing. Either let him ascend and rise like, and go through his fucking really tough games or let him fail. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's where it's at for me. Um, it, it doesn't need to be a catered game. Like I get it. Like he missed some, some shots early, but the game, 
game was a lot better when you were trying to open it up. Cause you're right. Like then it, it got to the point where second half adjustments and we got out coached on every fucking front, whether it was offense, defense, or special teams. And special teams was one of the worst units out there. I mean, Tyler Scott brought nothing in the return game. Let's be real here. And every time he gets hit on a kick return, it seems like he's about to get injured. Like I honestly, like he's a small dude or, it just feels like when he gets hit, dude, he gets fucking cracked every kick return. And for some reason, we're taking it out every time instead of getting it at the 25. I think there was a stat that came out there. The the four drives that we had that started past our own 30, we scored all the points. So two field goals, two. There, there were no punts, no turnovers, no nothing like that. Every other drive was starting at like the 17. Another thing, too, obviously, it's I'm not blaming it on this because the game was close and it got opened up. The officiating was dog shit. Like... I don't Brad Biggs came out with who the crew was and the crew is a crew that is like Wisconsin based. And I'm not saying, you know, that they determine the result of the game, but just like a really fucked up penalty to start the game where there was no, there was no, uh, I think it was holding that they called on it. Right. It was a good return. Got pulled all the way back to inside our own territory. That's why we had to go for it. Like you think if, if you don't get that 15 yard penalty, that swing, you're in field goal range there, right? Instead they're putting seven points on the board. So little things like that. I feel like the spot that we got from fields when he snuck it versus the spot that they got um, when Jordan, I think it was Jordan love snuck it or this. No, it was uh, Romeo Dobbs, I believe caught the ball and like rolled in. Like I thought he got a way better spot. And, and it's like those little crucial plays that kind of separated the game. And, you know, I, I just wish it wasn't. Yeah. The DPI, no call. Like that was a, a fucking clear and obvious yet. No point tried to make, make a play on the ball. So again, I'm, I want to, of course, there's probably going to be some, like w- the one random Packers fan that watches this is going to clip like a small part of it. And I'm, everyone's going to call me a jag off, which is fine. But the officiating, was not great. And it's, you're not going to get, that's another part of uh, another symptom of losing. If you're a loser, like the NFL doesn't necessarily want to bring up the Chicago bears. That's very clear. So you're not going to get calls until you be, until you get superstars that are making superstar plays that are driving ratings. You know what I mean? So until then the, the bigger story is Jordan love being the fucking third hall of famer in a row. And that they're going to prop that up. So you got to go take that shit. And that's why I hate, you know, when you brought that up, like learning how to lose. Yeah. The first pick's great, but you lost fucking 14 games last year. Like a, a lot of people on this roster, that coach felt that. And now, now you come into this game after losing fucking 13 games and it's so demoralizing. It's like, it's like, there wouldn't have been anywhere near the amount of expectations, I feel like, if we weren't so awful last year and didn't completely tear it down. And it's an indictment on everything, right? It's not just an indictment on the coaching. It's an indictment on the fucking roster build. Like, we talked about it. If you tear it down to the studs and get rid of every speck of fucking talent you have, your timeline's expedited, brother. Like, you you, you, you had the excuse before where it's like, Oh, I don't have draft picks and I don't have cap. And you could have slowly brought it down and not gotten rid of like household names like Roquan Smith and fucking Khalil Mack. But you decided to do that. And I'm fine with it. And I'm not saying I disagree with those choices, but you have to fill those spots and you put like fucking an insane amount of fucking capital on your defensive line. They looked like dog shit. The guy that you fucking resisted signing until the start of training camp was the only guy that looked like, halfway uh decent pro right like the two draft picks you invested didn't look the best you got a little bit from them right like walker they're seven million dollars that's that's the next fucking alquin muhammad is how it looked right like and the energy that that's the thing like 
I don't know if this falls on Flus alone or what it falls on, but that I just I go back to how defeated that sideline looked, and it was still a game. It was like still a game. There was a point there where the Bears scored again, and it was like, okay, they're only down ten. Like just come out and do something, and then just fucking got ripped off the middle of the. You want to talk about fucking? I want to start seeing the screenshots of fucking. Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards getting destroyed in the fucking running game, like getting completely washed down. Cause that's all we heard about last year. The middle of the field was so fucking free the entire game. And we were just watching Roquan Smith excel. That's what he was fucking good at. And I, I was getting told that fucking six, five and, and you know, Tremaine Edmonds on PFF was a better fucking pass. Uh, 17, six, whatever it was fucking Al, but you get what I'm saying? Like, we, yeah, you got rid of all of your blue chip players. You need to replace. And we we fucking said it over and over again. And everyone was just like, "No, King Poles, no King Poles." It's like, dude, you don't have any blue chippers on your team right now. There's well, no- you know, and I I think this brings into like a point I was talking about. I, I've been talking about it in the group chat last few days. I've been talking. I talked to you about it before the show, and like. The thing is, and this is where I will just, I will slightly go against what you said. I think TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds are fine players. I think Roquan Smith is a fine player. The thing is, Roquan dealt with the exact same problems because there was no interior of the defensive line. Jack Sanborn dealt with the same problems last year, even though he was eating up tackles because there was no interior of the defensive line. There continues to be no interior of the defensive line. Like I'm not going to sit here and single out a guy like Justin Jones because Justin Jones isn't a pass rusher. Okay. I've never accused him of being one. And you know, he's not terrible against the run. I, I I'm okay with seeing that guy on early downs. That's totally fine. But what did you do to replace the rest of that? You drafted two guys in the mid rounds, which that's, that's nice. You know, that's, that's nice for the the upside side of things. But as far as an answer right now, we don't have two set defensive defensive tackles in the, uh, in the inside, man. And when it comes to the rest of the defensive line, who's our second pass rusher? Yannick, Yannick Nagakwe is very obviously our best pass rusher on the team. He was just signed to the team. What month or two ago? Six days like, ago, yeah. Like, the fact that we don't have any other real options outside of that, and, like, a guy like Dominique Robinson, I, I'm, I'm pretty high on him still, and I, I, I think he can be something eventually. We got to remember, he doesn't have a lot of snaps playing defensive end. You know, if we're looking historically at his career, like, we don't have the pass rush to run a Tampa 2 because at the at, you know, because I've seen a lot of people trash the fact that we've gone to the Tampa 2 and everybody's on the idea, you know, to run the 3 4 defense. At the end of the day, nickel is the base defense, and the nickel is the base defense of nearly every defense around the league for a good majority of the time, especially in a pass happy league right now where you still need to slightly defend the run. We don't have the talent up front. I think we have the talent linebacking room, I think we have a decent linebacking room. We have talent in the secondary. I, I I will I will actually argue that to, you know to the bone until I see otherwise. You know, yeah, Dan Hampton made a comment about Eddie Jackson, which that I think was a, a little, little fucking out of bounds if you're if you're asking me because you're singling out singling out a guy who has been one of your best, if not your best, uh, defensive back for, for since what 2017. If we're being totally honest here for one touchdown, I, I I don't question Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson is one of the the He's at the bottom of my list as far as concerns go on defense. My concerns with the front four. Tampa two in any situation does not 
function without a pass rush because the entire idea of it is to get a pass rush without having to send extra blitzers, be able to have two guys, two linebackers who are proficient in pass coverage in the middle who are able to take any tackles that maybe slip out of the front line and are able to kind of meet at the, at the line of scrimmage where there's at least a stalemate from the interior defensive line. And your secondary is able to play aggressive because a quarterback has to make a split second decision. When you have Jordan Love, and listen, I don't think Jordan Love played all that great, but Jordan Love was a he was a point guard out there. He genuinely was. He he just made his layups. He, he completed maybe a little little over fifty five percent of his passes. That's not going to set any stat sheets on fire. But if that's the type of performance that's going to eat us alive all season, we're in trouble. And I think we're in trouble running the Tampa two until we get a we till we get a pass rush. And Lucas, I know you said this before the show, but I really want to drive this point home. If we're not going to get a pass rush from what we currently have defensively, and this is where it falls on Allen Williams, we need to send extra pressure. And I think, uh, you know, hopefully everything in Allen Williams' life is okay. I'd never want to say anything nasty like that. Like I know a lot of other people will, but I think Matt Eberflus getting a chance to step in and run this defense in the buck against the Bucks. If we see a significant change, I think we might know what the elephant in the room is because Matt Eberflus has been running the cover two for a long time. He has to understand that ha- not having the pass rush is a gigantic issue. Like there's, I there's mean, no well, way around it. Just disturbing that you got to think like this is Jordan Love's first real time that mattered. So he's a rookie essentially, right? Like obviously he's got some experience, but he's going to have some jitters. The one thing you should be doing is making him fucking think fast and make mistakes. And like, you didn't do that at all. He was literally standing back there just fucking hanging out, bro. Like it was infuriating to watch. Um, you know, it's, it's like, what would Justin Fields do if he got that kind of time? It would be insane. Right. Like, and, and Jordan love is just standing back there. I don't know how you don't make that adjustment. I, I mean, if you really look at love's performance, he missed a lot of gimmies too. Like, yeah, sure. He hit some gimmies, but like the one play I'll say that he made that was dope as fuck is the one that he fumbled and just kind of like off his back foot, heaved it up. Dude was wide open. Sure. But like, to me, that shows off some of his arm talent. So, but otherwise like he missed a lot of guys that were just wide open as well. Like we got lucky on a few that should have been touchdowns. So it's just a piss poor performance um, all around. There was no one that made me happy. We, we could bring up Chase Claypool, too. I know that's a huge topic of conversation. I wouldn't mind seeing him be a healthy scratch. Like, there were some opportunities on the perimeter that were wasted uh, with some of those screen passes just because – and, like, honestly, at the beginning of the game, I don't think it was a lack of effort. I think he was just not able to get a fucking hat on the guy, right? Like, but towards the end, you could start to see, like, he wasn't involved. He started getting real lackluster, and – I got told all fucking offseason, I got to wait to see Chase Claypool be the guy that he fucking has been in Pittsburgh to know that the trade was not fucking worth it, right? Like, I didn't, honestly, unless he's giving you wide receiver one, like DJ Moore type production, um, not even that DJ Moore is going to fucking produce like a wide receiver one with how it's looking, but that that's you that's the best you're going to get from him, brother. Like this is his fucking contract year. This is his prime of his career contract year. Like he should be the best player on the field. And that's why I was, I was actually a little bit worried with, you know, some of the guys in the group chat that we go back and forth with. Cause I'm like, dude, it's contract year. He could, he could put it up, but you know, he just seemed like he gave up and I don't want to pile on. And 
you know, I did a little bit there, but I did want to say, like, I, I, I don't think, especially at the in the first half of the game, like he was trying to, he was running around, he was sprinting around. So I don't want to just say like he was uninterested the whole game, but you could tell as like he wasn't getting any love or any targets, he was kind of starting to fucking, you know, especially when they went down, he was just limp dicking around a little bit. And, and you know, you, you got guys that would fucking kill like Valus Jones and Equinemia St. Brown um, to go out there and make that block. Like they would love to get zero targets and just go make that block and get a fucking, you know. So I'll, I'll, I'll pick up. I'll pick up here. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little bit more brutal than you were about Tra- Chase Cl- Claypool. I'll, I'll give I will give you a lot of credit because I know your feelings on him and you you were you were very fair in your argument. If Ryan Poles builds a roster that wins us the Super Bowl, Chase Claypool will still go down as one of the worst trades in Bears history. If we go to the playoffs, if we have a perennial playoff roster, Chase Claypool will still go down as one of the worst trades oh, in Bears yeah. history. If Ryan Poles knocks out every single draft that he ever drafts and drafts future Hall of Famers, Chase Claypool will still go down as the worst trade in Chicago Bears history. I'm sorry, dude. I, I can't even give him the benefit of the doubt as far as like when this team was going down. That's when he started kind of not caring. You're a professional football player. You're in a contract year. You were hanging out in fucking Paris in the offseason instead of hanging out with your fucking teammates because you wanted to go go on the walkway and be a fucking fashion model. I'm sorry, dude, but fuck Chase Claypool, dude. I have nothing for this guy, genuinely. He is garbage, and, like, I can handle bad players. And honestly, dude, now that I've let this game simmer on me a couple days because I was very upset the first few days. I still have a lot of thoughts that this team can turn this around. This offense can get new rhythm and there are players that can make the, like make stuff happen. Like it, they did it last year after, and I think it was week five or week six, they started rolling on offense. That's what I mean, dude. And like, I, I, I still don't have a high opinion about Luke Getze. You know, I'll give him credit when it's due because I'm a fucking adult, but I have no hope for Chase Claypool after that. Like, and it's effort, dude. I don't care if we're down 40 fucking points, man. If you're going to dog it out there like that in a situation where even you personally need to produce this year to make your, your big, like this is your nut, dude. This is your ch- best chance at a contract. If you don't hit it this year, no team's going to want to sign you for anything for the rest of your career. I'm sorry. You're a big body. You popped off in your first year with Big Ben because Big Ben saw a big dude on a team that had traded AB away. And he's like, I got to feed this guy the rock because I don't really have much of a fucking choice. And uh, yeah, you popped off a little bit. But we haven't seen shit like that since. We had character issues about him in Pittsburgh, not even for anything off the field or anything like that, but just for somebody who either A, just flat out doesn't get it in a team sport he doesn't flat out doesn't get it in a team sh- like a strategy type situation when he uh decided to flaunt a first down when the clock was still running yeah i am gonna bring that up because i'm really pissed off about chase claypool and a guy who just genuinely wanted to wince and complain get in an argument with his offensive coordinator i saw him barking at justin at a at, at one point in the game after a drive went haywire like what are you doing dude like it's one thing if dj you know, wants to have a discussion with Justin, you know, and obviously, like I said in the brisker quote earlier, you know, Justin needs to bring it, bring the, bring, bring the energy a little bit more in situations like that. I'm not going to dog him for sitting on the sidelines with a, with, you know, on offense, because honestly, that's something that a quarterback needs to do. He needs to be able to pay attention to his reads. He needs to get coached up between the next drive. So he knows exactly what he's going to run, but we need to bring that energy and chase. Wasn't it, man. I'm sorry. I've seen enough of this guy. He's going to be the worst. He's going to be one of the worst trades in Bears history that doesn't involve a first round pick. And he, 
it technically was a first round pick because of uh, a pick getting eliminated for one of the teams. So yeah, man, I'm sorry. I, I, I know there's a lot of people out there that think chase can turn it around. They want to look at his raw talent. They want to look at his size. Like, dude, he probably is great in Madden because he's big and they probably have his jump rating high and he can probably, you know, get some deep balls while being huge. He's not that guy. Like, like he, he's not that guy. I'm sorry. I, I can handle genuinely bad football players who give a hundred percent. I can't handle players that have all the raw, raw talent and ability in the world that just seem like they don't care because things aren't going their way. I can't sit here and say, I strongly disagree with you, but it's just, my thing is like, if you want the team to take you seriously, like you're in a rebuild, whatever, I would have a lot more respect for Flus and Poles if they made him inactive this week, right? Just to send a message like, hey, let's get someone who actually gives a fuck out there, someone who wants to be out there. Um, if they don't do it and he gives a similar effort, I think you fucking just outright cut him. Just like, hey, you know what? Didn't work out. We're going to fucking – we're going to go ahead and break this off clean now. Like, it's just not worth it for us. You're taking up a roster spot from someone – um that could use it right someone that we can use that gives a fuck so we'll see what happens maybe he turns it around tyke tolbert was in his corner saying how hard he was working but i don't i didn't even recall um him barking at justin there was it was, it was all around piss poor it was a, it was a fairly small moment i just saw him kind of turn around on a third down after it didn't work and him just kind of like putting his arms in the air and barking i i can't handle that on a guy that and let's be real dude it's not like he was getting separation. It's not like you can look at the all 22 and see plays that Chase Claypool was wide open. You know, it's not, it's not an AJ Brown complaining at Jalen Hurts. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's fucking Bane. Well, AJ Brown has that. And if you really look at Chase Claypool, go look at his stats and look at Anthony Miller's first, first year stats. And it seems like someone that went through the whole draft process was, you know, training throughout that whole time. So came into his rookie year really hot, really sharp, really in tune. Um, and then he had that first off season away by himself and just wasn't as focused, didn't care as much. Right. Like I'm not, I'm not going to assume that's what happened with Chase Claypool, but that's something that commonly happens when you see that year one to year two dip. It's because, you know, you have that guided process all through the spring and everything. So you're not training on your own when you got to take that over on your own. It's dude, it's a lot. My fat ass would not be able to work out like that and fucking do all that training all the time. Like, I get all, it, but all I'm saying, dude, is if you're going to be going to Paris in the off season, like you better be fucking doing sit ups in your parking in your fucking driveway, like Terrell Owens. Like, all I'm uh, saying is the Bears got fucking rid of Anthony Miller. They got a fifth rounder and they gave up a seventh with Anthony Miller. The Bears gave up 32 for what seems like a very similar situation, right? Like a very good year one, and then just tapered off and just seemed like they didn't give a fuck. Yeah, no, I mean, just, just to wrap a little nice bow on this, because, I mean, we've been rolling on the Packers for a little bit. We needed to get it out, but, um, dude, we need to stop making trades to, to like, stop the Packers from getting players. This could be the Packers' problem right now, but we decided, oh, we got to stop the Packers. You know, like, dude, this is the Shane McClellan situation all over again. We need to stop doing this. The only time in recent memory that it panned out was Khalil Mack. Like, I'll defend that trade to the end of the fucking earth. But um, yeah, you know, we got we got our ass kicked by the Green Bay Packers. You know, I, nobody wants to hear these words, but it was one game. 
we got a full season to turn it around. We got time to turn it around. Hopefully these guys in the building understand what this means to the fan base. And if they didn't, hopefully they know now, um, like we, we live and die by this team. We want to beat the Packers. We want a competitive football team out there. And uh, I just don't want to see another game where any of them are going through the motions. Um, and hopefully heading into this Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, game, which, you know, is a team that just beat the Minnesota Vikings. Um, we, we can, we can take advantage of everyone being low on us and really just come out and pop this team in the mouth because, you know, they did look good against the Vikings, but I don't think Tampa Bay's like a team that's world beaters and like it, Kind of similar to Jordan Love in, in in a far different way, but like you need to get to Baker Mayfield and you need to make him make rash decisions because that's where your defense is going to eat. Yeah, I mean, I'm higher on Baker than a lot of people. I feel like any team that was able to take the Lions out of, and I know that the Browns. I'm not. Have, I'm not low on Baker. Before you bring your point up, I just wanted to say it. Like, go I get it. I get it. But I I feel like that team was in such a fucking drought for so long. Like again when you have that losing culture, it's hard. He, he was, he was the guy in my opinion, that turned around. They had a lot of talent, but they also had a lot of talent last year with J Jacoby Brissett and they fucking sucked. So, um, I think this team is a lot better when, when it comes to Tampa than people are making them out to be like, they're one year removed from being Super Bowl winners, um, or two years now. Right. But made the playoffs last year. Tom Brady really looked like he hit fucking father of time last year. Um, and Baker kind of gave them, I feel like Baker's a perfect fit for them because they have a coach with the, like a fuck it. I'm aggressive attitude. They have some real dogs on defense. They have some dog wide receivers and they got a, everyone was ruling them out this year. Everyone thought that they were a contender for the number one overall pick. They got a lot of talent and they got a fucking the most fuck you attitude quarterback. Um, that you could have in the NFL right now. So I feel like it's a good mix for them. And I feel like we're catching them at a bad time. Like, yeah, they'll probably end up finishing not that great below 500, but like we're catching them right after a fucking, they caught some momentum and, and our, our sales are down. So I'm just, I want to be optimistic, but it's hard to be optimistic. Like Mike, we got corners out. Mike Evans is a fucking beast still clearly. Um, Chris Godwin's a beast. They have, they're aggressive as fuck. They can get after the quarterback. They have Vita Vea, who's going to absolutely just destroy people. Like it's, I'm, I'm fucking worried. So, I mean, I, I, not that I'd really disagree with anything you just said, because, you know, I think it is kind of a perfect storm for Tampa right now. And, you know, I think you need to, one thing that I was kind of thinking of, because, you know, Johnny Manziel is a guy that's like really in the news right now. And Baker is a guy that for whatever reason is given that type of Johnny Manziel, like, comparison in my head because i wanted to be like current NFL. yeah but like it you know i i i'm i think baker was a good fit when they brought him down there and i think mike evans you know dude he 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 thrived with johnny manziel in college and you know obviously those days are far behind mike evans you know from the college days but mike evans is still top receiver in the nfl and uh having that same type every of quarterback you know out, dude every well, year they're like this dude, is i don't i don't understand it yeah. He is like the easiest steal in fantasy every year because all he and all he does is get yards and get catches and get touchdowns. Like that's everything you want in a fucking wide receiver. Like just because he's not popping off for 15, 1,600 yards, it doesn't mean like 12, 13 solid is all hell. Please and thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Like I just I, I don't understand that. But I mean, you need to look at it. You know, Baker, you know, he started slow in that Minnesota game, but he got it going towards the end. He won him the game. 
Um, and they have Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, man. They have weapons. You know, that there are some iffiness on their offensive line, yeah. but unfortunately we don't have a pass rush to take advantage of that. So if this was a week, if anyone wanted to step up besides the Yannick Ngakwe, it would be a good time to uh, enter your name into the conversation. Um, hopefully it's one of our young interior guys, you know, a, a Gervin Dexter uh, would be nice to really see a, a pop out of him. I don't think he played awfully, but it was hard to really ask much of him in his first career start, especially, you know, getting that amount of a snap count in your first career start. Um, on a defense that prioritizes that position as much as it does. But um, this would be a good week to kind of take advantage of that. You know, they, they're kind of uh, – they're middled out on the interior. They have some pretty good tackles on the outside. So the 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 outside pass rush is going to be a little difficult. But there is definitely something to take advantage of on the interior with this defense. And you, and you know what? With as much of a high that Buccaneers are probably running on right now, like this is the moment for the Bears to be like, hey, you know, yeah, we lost the Packers. We got punched in the mouth, but that was the wake up. You know what I mean? Like th- it needs to be a pretty quick turnaround with this team and show that they give us at least a competitive game. Um, and, you know, their defense, they do definitely have some dogs out there, but like it- it's something that can be can be schemed around. You know, I- if you look at the Vikings defense, it's a lot of Kirk Cousins taking shots to Justin Jefferson. And then when they start paying attention to Justin Jefferson, feeding everybody else, that's literally the Minnesota offense in a nutshell, you know, and they and they mix in some running here and there. But like if we can win, if we can start taking on the line of scrimmage, if we can get a good run game going with both Khalil Herbert and Roshan Johnson, you know, maybe even get down to Foreman going in the red zone, like we can open up a little bit, a little bit on the on the secondary. You know what I mean? They do have some playmakers out there, but it's nothing that it's they're not world beaters. You know, they're a team that's playing good. They're hot, obviously, after beating a team that did as well as the Vikings did last year in the regular season. But like. it, it, it shouldn't be a David and Goliath situation in week two. It, it, it really shouldn't be. I know the, I know the optics are that, but like this, this bears team, in my opinion, has too much freaking talent on it to not find a way to at least make this work. Once they get a little, little bit of action under them, you know, they got punched in the mouth and uh, this is going to be a good opportunity for them to respond. Yeah. We need to see that response early, right? Like they can't come out there limp thick and around. Cause now you're talking about a whole different, outlook on the season so i hope i'm wrong i'm not saying that i think the the buccaneers are that much better than the bears i think they're better than what people are making them out to be but i think it's a winnable game but well you know and not the way you fucking did against the packers you're not going to win a game this year yeah dude and you know baker like we're both fans of baker but he's a guy that can get baited oh, he's limited too. yeah he, he's limited. Well, he can get baited all the way he could see somebody that looks open. His eyes will glass over on him, stare him down, and he'll freaking try tossing deep oh. shot. And that's where hopefully a guy like Jaquan Brisker, Eddie Jackson, really steps into a fucking ball. Um, I typically don't like good quarterbacks, right? Like, but Baker's got just something to him. That's all. I he's just got. You know, people think he's kind of like a prick or whatever. I I actually think he's just candid, um, and he's real, right? Like, and not a lot of people like the real answers, so. Well, and he's he's, he's a guy that awesome. he's like the Terminator version of fucking Gardner Minshew. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. I think his I think his arm talent is a little bit better than Gardner's, but yes, I get yeah, what you're Terminator version. Yeah, um, you, you know this is going to be a really good opportunity for a guy who I I don't think had necessarily a bad game against the Packers and Tyreek Stevenson. We're going to see him get matched up with 
regardless of who he gets matched up with, it's going to be a damn good receiver. Um, so we're going to be able to see early on, you know, the type of uh, type of player he's going to be. Obviously, we can't put too much stock into it being a rookie, especially, you know, when he got drafted, he fell a little bit. But uh, this is a good opportunity for him to step up. You know, he's a guy that, uh, you know, a lot of people didn't know if he was going to play outside or he was going to play that nickel with Kyler Gordon. Uh, obviously, Kyler played more in the nickel. Um, so it's going to be nice to see him uh, really get a shot to play legitimately every defensive down. You know, there's not going to really be an excuse to not have him on the field just with where we are. And I want to see how Eberflus's scheme and philosophy alters from Allen Williams. And I almost wonder how much um, how much Eberflus might have had a say in the second half defensive adjustments that we made um, last week because that we didn't make. Well, we, we didn't necessarily kill it in the first quarter either. And it, it felt like we were kind of getting too aggressive on offense with that pick six with Quay. I mean, everybody got really upset about that. that but was the game was already out. Awful throw. The game was out of hand, dude. We it were, was not out we of hand desperate. at that point. It was we were desperate. Fucking awful throw, bro. We were desperate. That was so bad. That's one you don't want to see. That was like the, the one that I didn't want to see. The fumble's brutal, right? That breaks your heart. But that, that fucking pick six was awful yeah well it's always a little that's extra part about awful. that pick six was fucking lucas patrick getting fucking cleated yeah, it's it's a little extra bad against the uh, green bay packers too but i mean this is this is a quick turnaround for the bears man they they need to be able to jump into this game they need to set the tone early whether it's on offense or defense get a freaking pass rush for the love of god even if you have to s- send an extra guy Dude, I, I know I know Edmonds can rush the passer if you give him an inside rush. You know what I mean? Like, even if you wanted to rush both linebackers on a, on a play where Baker doesn't see that coming, man. Baker is not great against a pass rush. We just need to be able to get it, and we need to be able to get creative about how to do it. And whoever's starting in the slot, hopefully we get a couple slot freaking blitzes too. Like, I want us to really start sending the house because we're getting to a point where obviously we can't run the scheme we, the way we want to run it. So you got to get aggressive, baby. Like there's just no other way around it, man. If you're not if you're not talented, you got to be you got to be feisty, and that's uh, that's the type of defense I hope we see from Matt Eberflus on Sunday. Yeah, man. I um, we'll see, we'll see. There's some conspiracy theories out there that the Bears have silently relieved Allen Williams of his duties. I I'm not gonna entertain it fully, but who knows? Maybe it happened. They needed a fall guy. That was bad. I mean, that was fucking one of the worst openers against the Packers I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Well, and especially with a defensive minded head coach, you know what I mean? Like you're some, you can't be someone that just allows that to happen. And uh, I always yeah, I see the bears not announcing firing a coordinator, just saying like, we'll see, right. He might only be out for one week. I could just be entertained. And I don't want to, I don't want to speculate too deeply, man. If something happened in his personal life, like I don't want to, I don't want to dog the guy, but like I, I get, I a hundred percent get what you're saying. Um, Hopefully it's a situation like when Lovey fired Bob Babbitt or yeah, Bob Babbitt and uh, the defense started to turn around because, you know, you just, you, you, you know, cool. He's one of your friends. He might've been a good, you know, position coach for you, but obviously he just can't call a full scheme. He for will call the defense. Yeah. I don't, I'm not, I don't, I'm not hell bent against Alan Williams, but like the middle of the field was so open the whole yeah. fucking game, brother. Like, how do you not like draw something up on the sideline? Well, dude, and if your guys on the interior aren't doing it, like your starters, you need to keep, you need to get fresh bodies out there. You need to give everybody an opportunity to try to do something, you know, that's, that's where like, 
And this is a name that, you know, this, sure, you can call it a reach if you want, but like, this is where I miss kind of like a guy like Angelo Blackson, because he kind of felt like that guy last year when we were not getting anything from the interior, he was somebody that I started to see step up late in games. And, you know, it's a shame he didn't find a way to make the team. Um, but yeah, you know, it's uh it's a big game. Look, give me a score prediction, Lucas. Yeah, no, fuck it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna risk my credibility here. I'm gonna go with the Bucks 28, the Bears 17. I will go Bears 21, Bucks 17. Until I see the Bucks score a, a good amount of points. I, I I'm hesitant to really jump all the, all the way in that they're going to be a legitimate offense this year. But again, I mean, it's going to, it's going to hinge more on what our defense does. Our defense has to be the one to step up. Um, yeah. It's no other way around. No other way around it. It's less confidence in the bucks and more. I mean, dude, until the bears stop a fucking slant across the middle of the field, then I can't say that they're going to stop much. I will say, I want to end this fucking pot on a little bit of optimism. Eddie Jackson's getting a pick six tomorrow or on Sunday. I, I'm I'm fucking calling it, dude. Eddie, when he gets when he gets his feet to the fire a little bit, he gets called out, and he even acknowledged getting called out by Dan Hampton. Like this is a guy who has not only bought into the coaching staff but bought into this team. He one takes a lot of pride. Like he gave a fuck. What? He's one of the only guys that looked like he gave a fuck. Honestly. Dude, and that's why I don't understand the criticism. Like, I, I, this is the free safety, and we're letting up fucking bombs. And like, they, okay, so the difference in the second half was they started going after Tyreek Stevenson. I know we're getting back into the, the Packers game, but they started going after T- Tyreek Stevenson. And I like Stevenson. I think it's a good pick, and I think he's going to take his rookie lumps similar to how Kyler Gordon did, right? But I, I like the way he plays aggressively. Um, but he was, they started picking him apart. Like that one broken thing to Musgrave all the way down the field. You see Eddie Jackson trailing in the frame. So to the naked eye, you're like, Oh, Eddie Jackson blew that coverage. It's like, no dude, he's running over from his zone all the way across the field. So that's why I'm kind of surprised with Dan Hampton. Cause I feel like, I don't know. I feel like he should know better. Um, I, I, I don't want to speculate, but I mean, it was alumni weekend too. And all those guys being in the building to see that just gets probably, smoked. they were probably just disgusted. Yeah. They um, probably just hated everybody that wore the too, fucking right? uniform. And, and yeah, no, I don't want to, I don't want to dig back in cause we're almost done. But my bold prediction is that Roshan has 60% or more of the snaps. He's just – he brought way too much juice. I, I could see Herbert starting the game and getting, like, the first couple carries, but just way more well-rounded in terms of pass blocking, um, way less of a tell. Just felt like the offense was overall way fucking better when he was on the field. You hate um, Herbert so much. I, I don't know what to tell you, dude. When I'm right about this, I'm going to tell you I'm, – I'm going to say I told you so. I'm not, a, a, I'm not, like, the bigger man or anything like that. I'm going to let you know. Oh, dude, cool. go right ahead, man. I will, I, will be ex- I will be expecting the Venmo in my account when it happens, so it's all good. Oh, didn't what did you say? A thousand yards? What was it? Yep. A thousand yards? Or no, it was twelve hundred. I thought. No, it was a thousand. How many did he have? He hasn't had a. It hasn't been a season yet. I'm saying, how many did he have in game one? He had not, dude. No, no running back got more than nine carries. We're, we're he's never going to hit it like that. I mean, he averages 6.5 yards Dude, a carry, he was, right? He's the fucking... He had 37 yards out of the backfield in the receiving game. Like, he was far... Come on. He also dropped a fucking pass, right? Uh, oh, he actually... That, that was a tip pass, no? That got picked? 
what didn't a pass go through Khalil Herbert's hands? That was an interception. No, Fields only threw one. It was a pick six. He did have a ball go through his hands. Yeah, yeah, I know. You're just going to come up with everything. He had 12 points. He did look like he was better catching the ball. I'll give him that. But it's just too much of a tell. You know what they're going to do. He's not, he like literally, there's not one play where he stayed in the block. So you can kind of know that like you have numbers if you want to send someone. I'm going to wear my 24 jersey when you have to pay me. Uh, But anyway, I think that's a good spot to stop for the episode. Um, That's all we're going to have for this week. Obviously, uh, hopefully we're, you know, in a little bit better spirits after we hopefully beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and anywhere else to get your podcast. Uh, Follow both of us on Twitter at ThatPodGuyDuke and at LucasFreddy46, as well as podcast at BaileyTherePod. Till next time, this has been Duke Coughlin, joined by Lucas Fetty. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode covering your Chicago Bears. What is George McCaskey's age? Bear down. Bear down.